Welcome to another episode of the Two Stewards Show. In this episode, uh, Mark and I start a new mini-series on Christian stewardship principles. So this episode, we tried to focus in on the world we live in and provide a bit of context for Christian investors. And this is super important because it forms the framework for a lot of the other conversations we have on the show. And as always, you know, Mark and I, we follow this really winding path to reach our very, very important conclusions. So stick around and have a listen. And if you're struggling to find clear direction for how to best steward your wealth, uh, and maybe you want to learn more about real estate, uh, how to take the first step, uh, definitely check out our webpage at www.twostewards.ca. And from there, you can see uh, both of our businesses and what we are up to. And if you want to reach out and there's something you have to get off your chest and tell us, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. And without further ado, let's get into it. <laughs> so we're doing uh, remote recording. We're not in the same room. So uh, some shenanigans going on here. Yeah, Mark is uh, jet setting around the world. Yes. No, I'm country. in an exotic locale just outside of Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not it's snowing. Very, very desirable location for rental properties or what? Uh, you, we could do a whole episode on it. It's actually pretty good. A lot of demand, okay. house prices are low. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Winnipeg area is not bad. And, uh, yeah, I've been driving. You just, you can't, I can't stop it, right? When you're a real estate, um, in real estate, like just driving around looking like, oh, okay, this is new. This wasn't here yet. That could be developed. <laughs> yeah. Right? Look Turns the out there's houses everywhere. Demographics. Yeah, <laughs> surprisingly enough, even in uh, tiny little towns. Would you believe that people live here too? <laughs> uh, and lots of immigrants. Yeah. Like, do you people not know how cold it gets and how yeah, hot it lots gets? Lots of new immigrants. And how many mosquitoes there are? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it's better than, better than uh, poverty. But anyways, yeah. we're off track already, like five seconds in. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we have, uh, we're a fair ways into our, our recordings now. And, uh, you know, our whole, um, our whole MO is, is, uh, real estate investing from a Christian perspective. And I think we need to, um, yeah, we need to dive into that Christian perspective a little bit because, you know, for you and I, we have uh, very similar backgrounds and similar beliefs and that, that kind of guides how we, how we operate and it's an unspoken thing. So when we're talking about real estate or if I'm talking about Airbnb, if you're talking about densification, there's a whole set of assumptions behind what we're talking about, what we're doing that are unspoken, but they're understood, but it may not be uh, fully understood for all our listeners. So I think it's a good idea for us to, um, to dive into that. Yeah, no, that's very true. And uh, it is the mission kind of, of this podcast is to, to speak about all these different topics with that lens, right? With the Christian perspective. And yeah. uh, so we do kind of want to embark on a three-part mini-series or four, or depending on how long Mark talks, could be six <laughs> or seven episodes on Christian stewardship principles. And we've kind of uh, decided to go on the first episode, this episode to talk about uh, the context um, the context for the Christian investor. So what is the world that we live in uh, that we're operating in just to kind of build a bit of a background for what forces are we up against as Christians when we're investing? Um, 
what are some of the external forces that we might not be able to control or influence? And then so what are the internal forces within us um, that we have to struggle against as well? So, yeah. And it kind of struck me when you're, uh, we were talking about this earlier, some of the external forces and, you know, the, the secularism, individualism, We've talked a lot about fiat money and its corruption, um, yeah. how that influences our thinking. And I'm just thinking back to uh, the time of Jesus when we had the Roman Empire, which uh, was slowly becoming more, uh, maybe not slowly, but was becoming more and more decadent, more corrupt, right? They had a good money system. They had corrupted that at that point. It was starting to be degraded. Um, yeah, you know, Yeah, rampant individualism, um, uh, secularism, I guess you could call it, or, or maybe other, you know, other uh, worship of other other gods, um, institutions, but certainly the self, not outright, but that was behind it, right? So it is kind of an interesting parallel to our times. I often talk to people and they're, you know, they're so uh, pessimistic and despondent about our society and what's going on. And, and people will use this like, look, it says in the Bible, this, this, and this, and that applies to our times. So we must be near the end of like the end times it must be and you know i'll gently point out like go back to you know any point in history but cycles of history so yeah go back to rome when the bible uh, when the new testament was written um we have a very similar society in so many different ways right you want to like just socially you know uh, obviously um eventually christianity would be become adopted as the uh, sort of state religion. Yeah. Uh, well, that, they didn't have like, corrupted. they didn't have technology and cell phones and all of the different things we do, but in a sense that all of this technology that we have kind of uh, amplifies uh, the problems too, right? Like if, if the Romans had social media, what do you think their lives would have been like? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It would have been a very similar society. I mean, I think See, my- in terms of, of um well just in terms of sexual mores in terms of uh protecting the unborn um uh and yeah just just all you know rampant um consumerism you know on a on a different scale but uh you know the divide between the rich and the poor which we're seeing you know that's growing again so all these things very similar and uh yeah they just they didn't have tiktok <laughs> Although my education on ancient Rome is mainly from Asterix and Obelix uh, comic books, so <laughs> I think it's pretty accurate. I think that's yeah. reasonable. So you want to be the indomitable Gauls coming in, and <laughs> so give us that magic potion, Mark. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess that makes me Obelix. <laughs> oh man you fell into it when you were a kid i think yeah exactly i fell into a pot of burrico when i was a child (laughs) only the dutch people will understand that joke Uh, so (laughs) but yeah let's get back on track yeah so some of the ideologies that are alive today so like as a christian we have to try and navigate this world be uh, in this world and operate in this world, but not of it. So, um, not of it means that we don't uh, internalize these 
evil or sinful um, ideologies that are out there, but rather mm. base our lives on the word of God, right? Yeah. Um, so I think one ideology that's uh, out there, like you mentioned it earlier, was like consumerism or materialism. So how, I don't know, how do you think that impacts uh, who we are and our decisions, just in culture, I guess, in general, but then like as an investor, when we're acting, like we have this in the back of our head, whether we like it or not, because uh, it's so pervasive in the culture. Yeah, and it's interesting when you speak with Christians from, let's say, a third world nation. And I've heard this before where they're saying, you know, they say, we, we are praying for you. And we always, you know, we're praying for them and for the gospel to be spread. But they're like right back at us. We're praying for you because of the trap of consumerism and how hard Satan works. He doesn't have to work through, you, know, you can work through different means, right? And you can almost leave yeah. us to our own devices and just kind of encourage us and bump us to be uh, selfish and consumeristic and um, yeah, fall into that trap. So that, yeah, that's our, that's something we have yeah. to be very, very aware of for sure. So just to kind of define it, like consumerism is really, I guess it comes out of this idea that like the physical world, the things that we have are like the only reality and everything can kind of be explained through, um, like physical phenomena. There's no like spiritual element. So that's like materialism, right? And then consumerism is like, you know, this attitude that, um, you know, your physical well-being or your worldly possessions are going to be, uh, the most valuable thing to you in your life, right? Like, um, yeah. if you took away all your possessions, you would be devastated. Um, and they, and then it feeds into this desire of, Hey, I have to do better than uh, the next guy, right? Um, out competing the Joneses, and I think that tendency for uh, somebody who is investing as well is to always see other people and their wealth and the things they've achieved, and have this envy, right? Because hey, why can't I get there? Why can't I achieve that next goal or that thing? Um, and that's something yeah, to be that's... aware of, right? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, that, that starts when we're young, right? That's something I'm working on with, with my kids. Because um, with four of them, inevitably, one of them has something that the others want or they get, you know, even like a birthday, right? And yeah. just trying to teach them, you know, instead of being jealous, be happy that your yeah. sibling, someone you care about, got something good. And, yeah. you know, such a basic lesson, but it's the same for us, right? And it's, I mean, it, it is a whole mindset. It's... Um, I guess probably started with, I don't know, postmodernism, even earlier. Once. Um, Modernism comes before postmodernism? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's not really identified are we talking, as such. Uh, but, are we talking pre Well, I get a little, little philosophical, <laughs> right? But once, yeah. once we, we, um, we made our own ourselves and our, ourselves the focus of our lives, right? As opposed to God, yeah. right? Nietzsche yeah. said, God is dead and we've killed him. And, you know, that was, um, that was part of that shift to where we no longer recognize that there is something else, uh, a, a guiding force in our lives. And that would be God. Um, and then with that goes, you know, there's a whole bunch of implications with that where then morality, uh, you know, if there's no God to determine morality, then who determines that we do, but it's, it's that shift from, you know, away from an objective standard 
which we've seen, you know, even more now in the post-truth uh, era where everything is subjective and the only standard is my feelings. And, you know, we can say yeah. we reject that, but when you, when we look at our lives, like, is that true or not? Right. Are yeah. we living? Or do we, everything we have is, is, and we'll talk about borrowing later, but you know, our lives are borrowed from God essentially. Right. All the things we have certainly, but even just our whole lives. So if we understand that that's God's gift to us, and yeah, living on borrowed time, I guess you could say. Um, but that determines a little bit more how you live instead of just getting stuff for yourself and living for yourself. And I think most people would, most Christians would kind of reject that. Like, no, no, we don't do that. Obviously, we know that, but it's insidious, right? It's in everything that we do. Yeah. And you talk about the consumerism, right? We get stuff for us. And then once we don't need it, we throw it out and then get another yeah. or something else for us. And, you know, yeah. you've talked about the short-term thinking that, that goes well, into it as well. Just the consumerism topic. So like in my background, so I have a design background. Um, I was, uh, I went to Humber College uh, in Toronto for uh, product design. So industrial design. And this is an industry, uh, basically you design products, right? So everything's design um, and consumer products is a big industry. Um, but lately, um, since we've shifted from, you know, kind of making one-offs to mass manufacturing, right? This is a little bit of a roundabout way of coming to a point. But um, now there's an industry out there to create products that um, incite like a desire to have it, not because you need it, but just because you want it, right? Like, um, and I guess that's kind of the tendency all throughout history is to play on people's uh, desire for things they don't have. But um, if you, for example, if you own a blow dryer, right, and it works perfectly fine and it's great, but the company who sells blow dryers needs to come up with a new design next year to uh, just to sell more blow dryers. That's what they do, right? So they hire a designer to go in and try and figure out what, what way they can manipulate the customer to think that their blow dryer is insufficient. They need to, they need to buy a new one. Right. So our whole world is kind of, like it's, I kind of grew jaded by that industry and kind of lost interest in it after a period of time. Cause just seeing how, if you want a career in this field, you got to go out there and basically uh, produce stuff. That's, you know, maybe a marginal step better than the last one, just to get a sale. Like, it just seems so materialistic even though it's the exact same thing, right? Like whatever happened to building stuff, the quality things that actually last and endure um, and then actually investing in it. And that's what kind of led me into investing as a, uh, a career. But that, that speaks to where, like how pervasive this consumerism is, right? This whole industry just producing products that do this. Yeah, and it's interesting that because that affects like durability and quality as well, right? We're willing to pay less for something. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, so I have a, an audiovisual background and so, I've, you know, installed many TVs in my, uh, in my life and yeah, older TVs lasted longer, but we kind of, you know, we kind of, it's, there's a trade-off, I guess, as things get cheaper, right? Moore's law technology, uh, increases and then, um, the cost of things get cheaper, but it's also just build quality and durability. Because it's almost like as consumers, we understand that 
if I buy something, I know it's not going to last, but it doesn't really matter because, you know, we think of a TV in five years, I'm going to want a new TV anyways, because there's going to be new, better, whatever. And um, we implicitly accept that for most consumer goods too, right? So, um, you know, the repairman, like for most stuff, it's just not worth fixing, right? And especially like even we see that in our rentals, you know, if you have like an old washer and a dryer, it's probably worth fixing if it runs into a problem. But if you got a newer one, the cost to fix it versus the cost of getting a new one, like you might as well just get a new one, right? And it's kind of sad yeah. because, you, you know, we don't repair things anymore. We just throw yeah. things out and yeah. it's not. Um, yeah, our laundry machines the same thing. That's probably our number one complaint with our rental units is laundry machines. And they're all brand yeah. new. And yep. I get calls all the time. And the repairs like a thousand bucks to fix the transmission or eleven hundred bucks. And the thing's worth twelve hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah. And you're exactly right. Now I got a, a repaired laundry machine that's worth <laughs> what the repair <laughs> like <laughs> you got a twenty three hundred dollar uh, washer. <laughs> yeah, but that's the world we live in, bucks. right? That's yeah. This is the context we're operating in. Like we have and like to try to find a good quality laundry machine, right? Like you're paying like a laundry machine is maybe a good example because like you you could probably find one that's like commercial grade that'll last a long time. You need like to go industrial. Yeah, but like in your industry, a couch, for example, like an Airbnb, you want to have a nice couch. Like you don't, it's not worth spending a lot of money on it because it's just going to get destroyed. It it depends. Well, it kind of is because if you go too, and that's a lesson we've learned, right? If you go too cheap, you just buy the cheapest thing you can find at Ikea. It'll last a year and then you're buying a new one. So I want it to last for, I don't know, three years probably. But that's even a good quality couch after three years you're replacing it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I don't know what else you want to talk about on consumerism, but we also want to talk about some other different uh, forces as well. One of them being like the idea of the prosperity gospel. Yeah. So that's, yeah, there's, there's my favorite topic. That's a good one. Um, (laughs) no, so it is, uh, that's another insidious thing. And that's, it's really what we're talking about earlier with, uh, individualism, selfishness. Okay. Um, Let's just define prosperity gospel. Cause I think our listeners (laughs) is a wide range of different ideas about, uh, what the gospel is or what, uh, so what, what would you say the prosperity gospel is? Well, it's also called the health and wealth gospel, right? Basically, if you have enough faith, then God will bless you in your life uh, with yeah. health and wealth. And that's like, you know, every every good lie has a grain of truth in it, right? So the Bible does speak about God blessing the righteous. Um, yeah. But you can't, you know, don't pick and choose verses, right? You have to read the whole Bible. And uh, we'll probably talk about that later too, right? Just proof texting, um, read the whole Bible so, and, and then interpret different verses in, in, um, in context or through other, other verses, other books, other chapters. So, you know, when God says he will bless the righteous, that doesn't just mean financially or with health, right? There is a good chance that he will. Um, but that blessing, you know, when, when we understand right, even just understanding righteousness, what is that? Well, our righteousness is not our own. It's Christ's righteousness that has been imputed to us. 
and that's yeah, the you, you know has <laughs> been has been put <laughs> onto us. So especially as uh, a couple of fellows with very you know uh, I guess we'd say Calvinist um, uh, b- backgrounds or uh, or thinking, um, like we're very very clear on that, right? Everything our righteousness again is not our own, but it's it's Christ. He's given that to us. There's nothing good in us. Anything yeah. good in us comes from God. And it's not because of, of what we've done. And it's certainly not because of our faith, right? We know how faith yeah. works. Um, but again, faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, you can't create a better life for yourself. And I mean, this is one of the claims of the prosperity gospel. If you just have more faith, well, then maybe you would get that better job and have more faith and you won't be sick. Yeah. And then, of course, people will twist that even further to saying, you know, plant a seed of faith. And the way you do that is by financially supporting uh, this preacher. And so yeah. you'll buy like an anointing oil or uh, like they have all kinds of different uh, crazy stuff yeah. um, where, you know, y- you support them and then God will bless you uh, through that because that's a, it's, it's how your faith is, is being worked out. And it's like, it's another way that they twist things, right? Giving, giving is important. God wants us to give charitable giving, support others, but they're twisting that into like, well, you have to do this. And if you do that, God will bless you. Just like he told the Israelites, um, you know, he will, he will bless them. And he did for a time and then he didn't. So people will look at that and say like, okay, so it's up to me to determine the course of my life. Because if I'm very faithful and if I'm a good giver, then God will bless me and he will give me good health and he will give me wealth. And yeah, then they see these preachers. Like a... Yeah, they, they so see it's... these preachers living in mansions, flying jets, having nice cars, all this stuff. Uh, and it's it's just, it's all utter nonsense and it's a perversion of the gospel. And like, I, I don't say that lightly because I know that there's a lot of people who, who follow some of these preachers and are like, are all in on it. And they have the best intentions, but they're being led astray. And, uh, you know, we can have doctrinal um, disputes, I suppose, as Christians, right? And you can have, have a, a conversation, you know, um, about different things. But to me, there's no conversation here. This is just, it's outright um, yeah. charlatanism and a twist. One of the things uh, that, <laughs> one of the things that ahead. I think with, with uh, oh yeah, my turn. Okay, sweet. Um, with regards to the prosperity gospel, like, um, so if you have enough faith, you will be richly blessed. And I think people would, in that context, they want to, they want, or they believe that God will bless them in this life and that this life is kind of the one to live for, like physical well-being or material goods, like material riches, uh, are God's will for me and I'll be faithful and then I will get these things. And this life is kind of what you're striving for too. Right. Um, I think it's important to recognize that the truth of the gospel is that there's an eternal perspective to have too. Right. And that that's, uh, more important and has a bigger impact on your life, uh, whether you acknowledge that or not. Um, that's, that's a reality, right? Like we have an eternal perspective, eternal future. Yeah. I, um, so I was, had a discussion about this the other day, um, 
that was maybe a little one-sided, but uh, you know, even in the New Testament, That's we like uh, our discussions, <laughs> <laughs> as most of my conversations are. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but even the New Testament, we read about the rewards that we can reap for righteousness, right? And and like that, it does not mean like it could mean that God will bless you in this life. That is possible, but that's up to him. And it's not a, oh, as a result of what does. you do. That's yeah. his gift. right? But part yeah. of the rewards that we can reap by working tirelessly for his kingdom is by being in his kingdom on this earth. And I, yeah. I kind of use the example of people uh, like with a presidential campaign, right? People will, um, will sacrifice a lot. They'll sacrifice everything just to work on a presidential campaign and to be sort of in the presence of that that person and to you know to learn from them and just to have that experience and to be part of that kingdom right because the hope is also that after the campaign's done if that person wins you can be a part of the administration so you can serve in that kingdom and that in itself especially if you're very ideologically um, um, motivated that's yeah. a reward right you get to work in the administration of X and yeah, you're getting paid. So that that's fine. Um, but you could get paid somewhere else too, but that's the reward. And so for Christians, that's our reward. We get to work in God's kingdom and we get to see sometimes seed bearing fruit, not in terms of, I got a Ferrari, but in terms of somebody who was lost coming to faith. Right. And that's, yeah. that's the best reward we could have. So you want to talk about rewards there, you know, there's your reward. Um, and yeah, hopefully God just blesses you with a humble heart and not, uh, not a private jet. Yeah. You touched on it a few times, just like the things that we have are, uh, you said like on loan to us from God or God gives them to us. Like, that's so true that God gives us, uh, he gives us our time in our life. He gives us our health. He gives us our money. He gives us opportunities, right? So another uh, another gift from God is, you know, hey, I had an opportunity to, like, God opened a door for me. Right? You say that, like, you could pray for opportunities. And um, all of these things come to us, um, not through our own doing. So then when they come to us, I think this is the crux of uh, stewardship, which we'll get into, is that we uh, we are just managers, right? Like, we get these things, and we have to use them well. And uh, what criteria do we use to manage them well? Um, that's that's the other discussion, right? Like, what is uh, if if you've been, for example, if you've been gifted a lot of money, you can use that for yourself, or you can use that for others, right? And yeah. um, what position your heart is in uh, will impact your decisions once you have all that money. Um, yeah, I um, let me just touch on the um, that prosperity gospel again a little bit uh, for, for a minute, right? So you have people who wholeheartedly believe in this, and they support uh, support you know a given preacher or whatever, and then they get sick, or then they experience financial troubles. Well, what happens? Like something something wasn't true. Some people, you know, generally the response is, "Well, you you didn't have enough faith." Right. You didn't, didn't believe enough hard money. enough. You didn't give enough money. Right. But at some yeah. point people are like, no, that's no, because I was all in. I gave lots of money. I did all the things I was supposed to do. 
and I still got cancer or I still, um, you know, I still lost my house. Right. And then their faith dies and then it's gone. And that is like that. That's the worst, the worst thing that could happen to someone. Um, whereas if you have that, you know, a solid, uh, faith, solid foundation for your faith, where you understand like Job that, yeah, everything you have is given to you. And yeah, they, people will talk about Job sometimes too, where like, look at all the stuff, you know, God blessed him because he, he did this or that. It's like, no, that's not true. God gave him a lot. And then it was taken away from Job and then it was given back, but that was all God's sovereignty. That wasn't because of how good Job was or what he did. Right. God yeah. still gave him faith. Um, but the point is that, you know, this can be tragic for people because they lose their faith and um, that, you know, that's the worst thing that can happen to somebody, uh, but all because somebody did not present the gospel to them in the right way. So uh, I just wanted yeah. to throw that out there before we move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, how does that, <clears throat> so we're talking about the context for a Christian investor and how we're stewarding our wealth within that context. <laughs> So if yeah. the prosperity gospel is a reality in this world that we have to contend with, like what sort of uh, reactions can we have to it um, other than saying, hey, that's an incorrect interpretation of the Bible. Uh, you know, I don't agree with that. Is, um, yeah, how can we counter that attitude uh, in the way that we conduct ourselves? Well, I mean, I don't know that we're going to do that as there, there's you know, a podcast investing. right there. Mark. <laughs> yeah. I don't think as investing professionals, we're going to do that. Or we're going to prove to somebody that like, no, look at this successful person. Uh, it wasn't because of their faith that they're successful. Um, that, that would be hard to do, but you got to go back to the Bible and you got to look at doctrine yeah. and, and kind of teach that stuff. Um, yeah. The yeah, other thing too, is like way. this pros the prosperity gospel uh, could be alive and well in someone's heart when they decide to become an investor or um, take these decisions and they're acting out of that framework and they may, uh, they may be very disappointed. And like you said, they may end up losing their faith over it. Yeah. Well, and, and you, you talked about opportunities, right? How, uh, because some people say like you shouldn't invest or you shouldn't do all this stuff because God will provide. And again, that's, it is true. God will provide. But sometimes the way God provides is he provides opportunities. So yeah. that could be an opportunity in, in, uh, in the way of uh, intellect. Somebody could be very smart and they could have opportunities to, you know, whatever, get, get a good education. And, Talk um, to Mark on a podcast. <laughs> I don't know if that's a blessing for anybody. but <laughs> um, Well, you can no, that question... Even, should yeah. Christians in, that question should Christians invest? I think we should talk about that more. Uh, like, yeah, 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 absolutely. But well, so let me just say, like, I think God doesn't. When you say God will provide, yeah, God provides, but that doesn't mean we're waiting on manna and quails every day to feed us. Because, like, I don't know. I know some people like that, and life's not great <laughs> for them. Right? I've always and, wondered like, what no, manna, not... manna tastes like. But... <laughs> yeah. For those exactly. who don't know, manna and quail were provided to the Israelites uh, <laughs> in the desert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look it up. Um, no, but yeah, that was where God 
made a point of saying like you're not gonna you're not gonna be self-reliant you're gonna be totally reliant on me and every day you're gonna get food and that food will not last till tomorrow so you can't yeah. even um, store things up for yourselves now that's not you know that was to make a point for the Israelites uh, again if we look at the rest of the Bible it talks a lot about the value of hard work right go to the ant you sluggard so if you're lazy yeah. Go look at go look at something like an ant. How, look at how hard they work, and it is true yeah. that God will provide. Have you for ever us, seen but... an ant? Have you ever seen an ant not working at a like? Yeah, at the beach they... on his day off. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. guess they could be at the beach, but they're still working. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but the point, right? The Bible talks about the value of hard work, and not just for hard work's sake, but to advance the kingdom. But just uh, almost, a, yeah, almost as a virtue unto itself, as opposed to laziness. Right. And so if we're not going to be lazy and we're going to work hard, well, then that should be useful. Right. It doesn't mean we all need to be missionaries and and go somewhere and preach the gospel. Um, Right. We can do that in our our daily lives as well. But the point is, you got to work hard. So that there is an opportunity. If God has given you health, because not everybody has that, if you can go and work hard and provide for your family and for others, there's an opportunity that he's given to you and people don't realize that, right? Like you have that, um, kind of pithy, they don't, uh, e- they don't realize they don't realize that they have to work hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. another cultural thing too, right? Where you have influencers and Instagrammers and all these people and all these tricks to like, um, you know, get, get wealthy without working hard. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's and, that's a tendency for investors too to make it like it's attractive to just say, "Hey, this investment will make you wealthy quickly. Uh get rich quick, right? Like buy yeah. this house uh and sell it in a year for X number of profit." And yeah, that that I like it's easy to fall into that and like, "Hey, I want to get rich quick. I want this." Like, yeah. Um <clears throat> The incentives, so we talked about this before, and this can go down a big rabbit hole, but, uh, you know, the incentives in our society today are such that hard work is not necessarily uh, rewarded. Yeah, it is rewarded, but it's not valued the same way it used to be. Um, And I think that stems a lot from what we talked about in previous episodes about money, the quality of our money. uh, Yeah. So it's not, it is not valued. But I think paradoxically, because it's not valued as much, it's rewarded even more because there are so many people who are not working hard. So, and that's one thing that I've, I've, you know, even said to like young people entering the workforce, um, if you work hard, you'll beat 50% of the people out there in terms of like competitiveness between employees, right? Um, Sorry, no, if you, sorry, if you show up, as I forgot my own <laughs> advice, right? But just show okay. up consistently to work. You bit 50% of the people out there. If you work hard, you'll be another probably 30 to 40% of the people out there. And if, you know, if you've had employees, like you would know how yeah. true that is just getting guys to show up to work hard, you know, big struggle. And then of those, how many of them actually work hard? Not very many. So if you do those two things, you will outperform the vast majority of your peers. And then if you're a little bit smart, that'll like put you right up near the top, but you don't have to be exceptionally smart to, uh, 
to sort of outperform. But the, the point is working hard. Um, and I'm not talking like 80 hour weeks or anything ridiculous, but just show up and work hard and have a good work ethic and like put in an honest eight hours of work or whatever your day is, right? If you're there, work all day. And, um, you know, and that has biblical uh, a background, right? Because you're working not for your boss, but for your yeah. ultimate boss, who is God. And you're, you're, you know, you're serving him through doing that by honoring your, um, your earthly boss. But anyways, this is my little rant on, uh, on working hard. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, okay. So like let me, I let me go off on that a little hard. bit more. The, um, right. When you do that though, that, that has, you create opportunities as well. And, you know, when I say you create them, like God provides them, but just practically speaking, and you talk about, you know, the get rich quick and like you buy a house this year and then next year you sell it for, for X, right? So people see that and they want to get in there and however they want to do that. But usually the people who not even get rich quick, but who are able to take advantage of some of these opportunities, they've worked hard to put themselves into that position, right? They didn't just yeah. go buy a house and then sell it, right? Some people sold a house during COVID or a property and yeah. made a ton of money. Right. But that yeah. wasn't a get rich quick thing. That's they had worked hard to get that place and put themselves in that position. Um, to, yeah. to sort what's of the proverb about uh, what's the proverb? If you don't sow, you won't reap. Like, yeah, if you if, yeah, if you see these people all of a sudden being wealthy uh, or making like a, a good success for themselves and you envy that. And uh, but meanwhile, yeah, you're not you're not putting anything out there. You're not doing anything. You're not taking action. You're not sowing. Then will you reap? Um, yeah. And most business owners, if you talk to them, ones that are, you know, reasonably successful, will tell you that there's just years and years of struggle and, and hard work. And you're like, why am I doing this? But you persevere and you do it anyways. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, opportunities, God, provides us opportunities and uh, we need to take take advantage of those like i think also the parable of the stewards pretty good for the yeah. two steward show even though there were three yeah. right um the master provided opportunities for his stewards to do something to show them what they could do and two of them took advantage of that and one was more successful than the other but that you know that's God yeah. blesses us in different ways or blesses your labor. And the other one didn't take advantage at all. And he was chastised. So, yeah. you know, there's a good, um, I think that all that to say when we're talking about investing, um, like, yeah, there's, there's good biblical grounds for it. And, you know, if we have an opportunity, then we should make the most of that. Not necessarily just for ourselves to get rich, to be wealthy, uh, whatever, but just, you know, this, again, our life is not our own. So try to make the most of what God has given to us, not squander the gifts that he's given yeah. to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other side of it too, is that there's this personal internal, uh, struggles that we have, right. Um, which is like greed. Um, so when, when we're an investor, we're acting, and we're trying to, let's say we're analyzing uh, an investment opportunity that comes up and you have some money to invest and so you want to make a decision. Um, you're, you're dealing with these external things that like out there in the world, um, you have minimal control over, but you also have these internal things like in your own emotions, 
uh, your own simple tendencies, right? So you have greed, maybe you want more and, and you, you can't define why you actually want more. You just, I need to have it. And I will do, and what that leads to, right? Is like, I will do this decision at the expense of other things that I should be doing or that are more important or yeah. um, I will, I will act out of greed and I will act in a way that, you know, transgresses this law or um, harms my neighbor or whatever other things that you are like obstacles in your way. And you're trying to achieve this goal. It's like, I just need that. Right. And, and then you open up your eyes and you're like, what did I just do? Like, and I think we all have these tendencies inside of ourselves. The other one is like selfishness, right? Like I want it. I want this stuff, but I want it for me. Like, um, and if you pursue your, your goals with that attitude, um, like a very self-centered attitude, that's also not what, not what God uh, wants for us, right? Yeah. And that, you know, that in terms of giving too, like financial giving in, in the church or in general to, you know, it could be charitable giving, but, you know, specifically we, we often talk about um, through the church and deacons, right? You have, sometimes you'll have people who are very focused on, like, I have this goal I have to reach and everything is focused on that. But once I hit that, then I can start maybe, you know, giving of some of the, uh, the fruits of my labor. But for now, I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to tithe, for example, right? Until I get to that point or or I just yeah. can't afford it. You know, there's a lot of different excuses, but you know, that's not it's not God honoring either when you don't yeah. give anything. And maybe you've got you know, especially when it's for a goal, right? If it's for certain circumstances, right? Some people can give well, more cause, than others. Because that and is that's fine. That, yeah, that shows a heart uh, inclination or heart position, right? Like if your heart is inclined to selfishness then you think, you know what, I'd love to give, but I'll give once I get this goal, right? Or like, like you said, you get target mine. in mind. It's like once I make 50 grand, then I'll give to yeah. uh, whether it's the church or whatever other cause. Um, and that can be financially, that can also be with your time, right? So like, for example, yep. you know, I'd love to help people, but, you know, I'm busy with my life. Uh, so... You know, maybe at some point, once I get to X success level, like a certain level, then I like I can give back to the community or the, my whatever those in need, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, the paradox and there like, is that I just yeah. Once like, you once you get you never, all this wealth, <laughs> you never you're never uh, gonna give it. You're never gonna give. You're never gonna give your time yeah. or of your whatever wealth yeah. you have because you don't have those habits ingrained in you, right? You you know, yeah. good habits should be good habits, like no matter what your situation is. And that's and then yeah. you can always find another reason not to give, whether that's your um whether yeah. that's your money or your time, right? Yeah, it's like, oh I made fifty grand, but I needed a new car. So yeah, maybe next year. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or you know, like oh yeah, I'll I'll get involved with something uh once I'm established in my career and like, Oh, well now I got married and I've got kids and I'm far too busy to, to do anything. Right. And, and then there's, there's always a good reason. Well, it's not a good yeah. reason, but a bad reason. Yeah. And then the thing with investing is, uh, once you start building wealth and growing it, then you, it kind of amplifies all of these tendencies, right? Like if you have, a tendency to be selfish and to not be generous, 
then when you get more money in the future and you have uh, more wealth, that tendency could be more like, hey, I want more for myself again. So I'm going to invest again and I'm going to try and make more and I'm going to whatever. And you have all these self-centered plans too. That's the other thing. Like you have your own ideas for what you want to achieve without looking at uh, the needs of others. That's so easy yeah. to fall into. Yeah, and I've heard that before, not from a Christian, but just, you know, a rule of thumb, like money is a magnifier. It just magnifies yeah. your personality in whatever was there before. So, yeah, if you're inclined to be selfish before, yeah. um, you will certainly be after. And if you're inclined to be generous before, you will certainly be after. Well, as well. And the other the other thing is pride, too. Right. So if you're uh, if you already have an ego about yourself and you think that. And that's a sinful tendency we have, right? Like I, I struggle with this too, right? It's like I have my own idea for who I am and I portray a certain image and that's me and I'm whatever. And then if something hits your pride, like you want to restore that, right? Uh, we mm -hmm. all have our own self image, but if that becomes your, your sole goal and you're a proud person, like, like you said, money amplifies this or it's a magnifying glass. Like uh, if you have more wealth, It'll go right to your head and it'll make your pride worse. Exactly. Sorry. I'm just, I'm giggling a little bit. We're talking about uh, how you're always, you know, you can always find an excuse to be too busy to, to do anything. I'm just looking at um, a toddler. You're really busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like, I can't do this podcast because I got to, you know. Yeah. I can kids, hear all the kids but, running uh, around in the background. <laughs> One of them has snuck downstairs. Uh, but um, but, but yeah, at? that's that's always a good excuse too, right? Where people just can't uh, can possibly help out because they have kids. But then you look at the people who are really involved, and it tends to be the people who have taken on responsibility. I mean, that's yeah. a whole other uh, topic too, right? The, oh, if, if you take on responsibility, if it's like working out, right? The more you do, yeah. the more you can do. If you never yeah. take on any responsibility, I think that's kind of um germane to what we're talking about because um just just sort of that selfishness or Except for, i don't know what germane means that sounds like you're looping back <laughs> to the beginning about the, about the romance it was, or... he was one of the jackson five germane jackson yeah. Uh, yeah, it just also, means, uh, also don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's a voyage of learning uh, yes. i don't know apropos to um uh, you know oh, oh yeah it's Sorry, I get, that's not a good one either, but it's relating to what we're talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, relating, yeah. So what were you talking about? <laughs> um, oh, sorry, a little static here. So, yeah, no, just uh, so responsibility, right? Yeah, and okay. that the kind of relates you... to giving as well. If you never take on any responsibility, then you'll, you'll never be able to handle any either because you haven't done it yeah, before. Yeah, okay, I was so. at the... I was getting my hair cut the other day and I, like this guy comes in, he's 90 years old and him and his wife are there. They've been married for 72 years, which is amazing. Um, and I, I just was chatting with him and he, so he, you know, socialism is the way to go. We need more government programs and subsidies and welfare. We need, we need, we need to be well taken care of basically was, was the conversation. And I got to thinking like, um, just based on this point, right? Like you don't want to take responsibility for your own life. Like you just want the government to look after you. 
And uh, I think that's cyclical in society too, right? Like if you just hand over your responsibility for whatever it is, like healthcare is one example and education or like whatever, food quality, whatever, all these different things. So, you know, government could be responsible for that or somebody else or some other organization could be responsible. And I'm just going to live my life uh, and be well taken care of. And that just is a downward spiral, right? Because now, like you said, you're not flexing that muscle. And when something comes up and you're just overwhelmed because you're not prepared to deal with it. Um, I think we talked about the welfare example. Too, yeah, and then you're also prepared. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I think we have a delay here now. But uh, sorry, go ahead. So I was just to say the welfare example where. Um, sorry. So uh, we have, like, basically, people say, "Look, uh, the government will take care of people who are on welfare, like who need assistance." And uh, rather than me helping them, mm -hmm. going out of my way, spending my time and money and helping my neighbor out in my community, I just give the government the authority to do it. And they, you know, maybe they hire professionals or they provide this service. And, and what that does is just makes more people incentivized to go on welfare and us less incentivized to help people because we have a government organization to take care of it. That's a sad reality. It's like this little... Yeah, downward spiral. Yeah, and we, we take it for granted as well, right? That's just that's just how society works, but that's how our society works. It's not how it always worked, and it's it's not really um, I don't think it's a biblical example either, right? We don't have to take all of our cues from from Old Testament society um, because it, you know there's also some merit to working with the system that we have, which is kind of, I think, more what uh, more what Jesus kind of um, exemplified or said, right? Certainly still take care of the widow and the orphan. There's no... Yeah, um, like our goal is to understand uh, our current reality. Against that, but... Yeah, and work within that it. as best we can while still conforming to biblical principles. So, you know, yeah, yeah what does that mean? So if we have... Do we up, up, upset that whole system? I don't know. Maybe if you want to be politically active, but that's uh, we're talking about real estate here, man. <laughs> I don't know. Was that last uh, topic we just talked about germane, or I think next time we got to talk about uh, <laughs> yes. the biblical stewardship side of it, right? The next uh, um, the next step is yeah. We can get more into actual we... investing. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's leave it there. Yeah. And, well, uh, maybe uh, maybe we can wrap up. So, I don't know, just in um, in conclusion, maybe, I guess, right? We uh, Some of the things we talked about, so, so that people understand, this is sort of what's in the back of our minds when, you know, because we, we will talk, we'll do whole episodes where we're not referencing a specific biblical principle, but we sort of are because that's in the back of our head. So, right. I mean, there's a few things like everything we have is a gift from God. We need to use that responsibly. We should be working hard with that. Um, and, you know, you can define what working hard looks like, but you need to make the most of the opportunities that God gives you and uh, yeah, be a good steward. Right. And that's at the end of the day, we, we have, you know, it's the two stewards show and that 
kind of as an example there, we understand is not the two um, successful entrepreneurs show. Or the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. The stewards. So we've, we're not the actual owners of, of the things that we have. We're just taking care of them. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's no, my that's conclusion. A, right? That's a great way to leave it. No, thank you for listening. Um, yeah, next time we'll talk about biblical stewardship. Until then, steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.